1: You're listening to Beyond Black History Month. I'm your host, Femi Redwood. There's a shortage of black sperm donors, and this shortage especially hurts black lesbian and queer couples looking to grow their families. The majority of cryobank customers are lesbian or queer, followed by single mothers by choice and straight cis couples. And while there's a shortage of POC sperm across the board, black sperm tends to be the rarest, between three to 5% of what's available at banks. Here's an example one cryobank gave me on just how fast their sperm sells out on its online database. All of the donors were educated, tall, athletic, and attractive. Donor one who was white, it took him three weeks for his sperm to completely sell out. Donor two is half black, a quarter white, and a quarter Puerto Rican. It took him less than an hour to sell out. Donor three is black. He sold out in minutes. This shortage pushes people to look for sperm elsewhere, like Facebook. There are tons of online groups connecting sperm donors to recipients. Many of these donors are willing to give their sperm away for free. But then there are those who require what's called natural insemination. As in, you can have my sperm through unprotected sex. These options can be dangerous. They can also cause massive legal issues around parental rights and child support, even when there's a contract. We're going to dig into all of that, including why black men aren't donating. But first, meet 29-year-old Matt O'Shea Julian West. She just graduated with her master's and is on her way to becoming a behavioral analyst. She's also a content creator who focuses on the issues black women face.
2: Did you know that infertility affects black women twice as more likely as married white women?
1: Matt O'Shea met her wife Yvette on Twitter back in 2013.
2: It's like typical like lesbians, you know, everybody meets online.
1: They liked each other but remained friends for years living in different cities until Matt O'Shea got on a bus to see Yvette.
2: Had a great time and by the end of the night I was like, guess what, you're my girlfriend.
1: Their only problem? Yvette wanted kids, Matt O'Shea did not.
2: I wanted to be like the cool rich aunt and I told her, I'm like, I can like, be your friend like learn to be your friend because I really don't want to be a mom
1: until one moment changed her mind. She just looked at me and she was like
2: you and the dogs are enough. So if you really don't want children, I don't want them either and it's okay. And she's never brought it up again. In that year, I went and got therapy, worked out like what like what could be the reason why I don't want them. And I woke up one day and I told her I was like I want to be a mom. <laughs>
1: She thought getting pregnant would be easy, in part because growing up, society and the media pushed this racist stereotype that black women were hyperfertile. This harmful trope first appeared in a scientific journal back in the 1930s, but the roots go further back to slavery. The belief was also internalized.
2: In our community, they don't teach you about your reproductive health. It's basically like stay away from boys. His boys get you pregnant.
1: Matoshe's first attempt at pregnancy was in 2019 with what's called a known donor, a sperm donation from someone you know, maybe a friend, maybe someone you met online, just not through a cryobank. The known donor was Black, which was their number one requirement, but none of the pregnancies were viable.
2: So I was like, I think I should go and seriously talk to a doctor. And when I did, because we're two lesbians, they were like, Just have your wife try.
1: Feeling dismissed, Madoshay found a new OBGYN who was a Black woman. She was diagnosed with PCOS, a common yet treatable condition that can cause infertility. They decided the best chance for a successful pregnancy was to do everything through the medical system. So they turned to a cryobank.
2: Because I'm like... Obviously, black people are infertile and black people are lesbians. Black people want to reproduce. So there's going to be like options. Nope. So I was like naive. And I remember my first website, I was like, okay, African-American, you know, like doing my thing. And only two people showed up. Two.
1: Similar numbers at cryobanks nationwide. You go
2: into panic mode because I'm like, I want my baby to look like me. I'm not white.
1: Eventually, she found a donor who was Black but also Haitian. Yvette is African-American and Matt O'Shea is Haitian.
2: I'm like, oh my gosh, this is perfect. I'm Haitian. We're going to have little Haitian babies. And I'm like, Yvette, when you carry, the baby will be Haitian biologically. All the stars were aligning.
1: Until they weren't. Matt O'Shea and the donor weren't compatible because they both carry genes that could cause health issues for the child. I think that's
2: when like reality started to set in. And you guys said we might have to find a white donor. And I remember I cried and I'm not saying I don't like white people. It's just, I want my kid to look like me.
1: She wanted a child that would be connected to her culturally and one that would reflect the family she was raised in.
2: Everybody gets to have a family that looks like them. And I'm gonna have this biracial baby because I have to compromise something else. Oh, I'm trying not to cry, but I would feel like this is my punishment for not wanting kids in the beginning. It's like irrational thoughts, but like when you're in it, I'm like, this is my karma for calling babies dream killers for years.
3: I was definitely in a work meeting we were discussing our Pornhub subscriptions for the donors. Wait what? When they come in to donate we provide media for them to aid in their donation. Right right like the old school magazines. Fertility clinics sometimes still have like the old school magazines but COVID really cleared a lot of that out because you how do you clean that?
1: That's Elise Mencius. She's a clinic relations manager at Seattle Sperm Bank, one of the top cryobanks in the country. Being approved as a sperm donor is incredibly rare, regardless of race. Depending on the clinic, between 1 to 5% of applicants are approved. So you can imagine just how rare Black donors are. At the time of this recording, the clinic had 107 donors. None were Black or Indigenous. I got similar numbers from other cryobanks. She says this problem has existed for decades, but it's worse now because there's an overall decrease in all sperm. The pandemic was
3: definitely a contributing factor to that. We shut down just like everybody else did, but we didn't see our donors come back.
1: Like college students who made up a big portion of their donors.
3: Campuses went virtual so donors could move back home and they're no longer in our area.
1: There was also a higher demand because more people were starting families than before.
3: The pandemic really did have a shift in a mindset for a lot of people. You know, I'm now can work from home. I don't have to pay for
1: daycare. And this exasperated a problem that was already bad.
3: We're seeing patients wait for a, you know, donor of color versus a white donor. We're seeing five times longer.
1: She says the average wait time for a black donor is up to a year and a half. Almost unfair, And if looking for a specific ethnicity, well, that can be nearly impossible.
4: My name is Dr. Michael A. Thomas. I am a professor and chair of the Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology at the University of Cincinnati College of Medicine.
1: Dr. Thomas is also the former chair of the American Society for Reproductive Medicine, Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Task Force. So he's very invested in the intersection of DEI and reproductive health care.
4: There is just this long term history of mistrust of the medical community that decreases participation, not only for sperm donors, but also for egg donors, also for kidney donors, also for liver donors. African-Americans, Hispanic-Americans just have this suspicion and concern that their materials would be used in a way that they would not want them to.
1: This reminds me of a conversation I had with my mom a few years ago about donating her organs after death. She said she didn't want donor listed on her driver's license because she's heard of doctors who don't treat their patients because they want those body parts. My mom is highly educated and very smart, but this mistrust runs deep. Here's what black and Latino men told us.
0: I've never had a kid yet, so I wouldn't want my first kid going to
4: someone else. I wouldn't want want to know that there's another son or daughter of mine out there for me not to know them. So it's like, do I really want to be a Viking and
0: just breed and breed and breed?
1: Dr. Thomas says when he meets with straight cis couples who are having infertility issues, this mistrust makes it a struggle to even get men to give a sperm sample. We
4: put our female partners through a lot. They have to get their tubes flushed. They have to draw lots of blood. They have to do lots of procedures. And all we ask for a man is to go in a room with a magazine and a cup. And uh, they, <laughs> they, like, refuse. And they do ask. They said, "Well, you know, what are you doing with this stuff?
1: He says this resistance largely comes from Black and Latino men. Not just
4: uh, Tuskegee. It's more than Tuskegee. People see it every day on television and movies where some mad scientists is doing something weird to a human being. It's also the stereotypes of science, and medicine has gotten a stereotype for whatever reason. African-American men have gotten a stereotype for whatever reason, and for whatever reason, that has come and caused this collision of ideas.
1: Every cryobank has its own standards, but a lot of them are similar. At Seattle Sperm Bank, donors have to be between 18 and 39 years old, have a GED or high school diploma, and it's preferred for donors to either be a college student, have a college degree, or be a working professional, and they must pass a criminal background check.
3: We try to be flexible when it comes to some of those things, because we understand life happens. <laughs>
1: Do parents care, though, about their donors either having a degree or having a criminal background? The
3: criminal background check, you know, you're trying to envision who this person is and them contributing their genetics to your future offspring and definitely playing an interesting role in your life. Whether, they, you know, you know them the whole time or you meet them one time when your offspring's 18, this is still a person who exists in your sphere. We're not, you know, you got too many speeding tickets or you got a DUI and you made a mistake. We're understanding we talk to them about what, what we find on there. So we know, we know they're human. When it comes to the degree, we do see people request, you know, and, you know, people, sometimes intended parents are, or parent are looking for somebody who has the same level of education they have. You know, I graduated, it's really important to me, or there's little things that stick out that become meaningful.
1: Donors have to also pass multiple semen analyses to ensure the sperm can survive the medical process. There's also health screenings, including blood work and a physical. If applicants are accepted, they can begin donating for $70 per sample, no more than three times a week. And they're asked to come in at least once a week for six months. That's a lot of work. For what many don't see as a lot of money, which takes us to another prohibitive aspect. The donor has to have the time to do that. But Elise says most people don't donate for money but to help. Maybe they have a friend who relied on a cryobank. Or maybe they're a parent.
3: And they're just like, my kids are everything to me. And I couldn't imagine myself being in those shoes. ¶¶
1: People who use known donors instead of a cryobank do this for a variety of reasons. A known donor is usually cheaper. The recipient has the opportunity to meet the donor before deciding on their sperm. Or they don't want to wait for black sperm to become available. And there's tons of places where they can find a known donor.
4: Hiring a friend, putting ads in Facebook, putting ads in uh, Craigslist and things like that.
1: Experts say none of it is safe. First, there's possible
4: genetic issues. These sperm banks do a very good job of trying to, one, find someone that is without diseases and without a significant medical history or significant psychiatric issues. So the sperm banks do a great job in trying to make sure that you don't end up with a child that has a, any potential medical problems down the line.
3: When you're going to a sperm bank, not just us, but any reputable sperm bank, we're licensed and governed. That's what the regulations are there for, to keep us safe and keep everything honest.
1: Next, personal safety. I spent months in some of these Facebook groups that connect donors to recipients. Some donors will ship their sperm or give it to the recipient in a public place. Other donors require natural insemination, as in sex admittedly my first thought was this seems really predatory but there are women in these groups who only want sperm via natural insemination because they believe they're more likely to get pregnant that way
3: i've seen these movements i've seen these sites these i'm a free sperm donor and just come to me because it's free and i've gotten a lot of people pregnant yeah it doesn't i mean it doesn't
1: sit well. Matoshe joined some Facebook groups but decided not to go this route for safety and legal reasons. Depending on the state, known donors can be required to pay child support. Known donors can also get custody, and either can happen even if there's a contract. In addition, experts say under many indigenous tribal laws, if the parents haven't gone through the legal process of signing away rights, the tribe can claim parental rights.
2: And I was like I don't like I don't know this person. And what if they, you know, donate their sperm and then 9 months from now they want to be a part of this kid's life and then now I'm co-parenting with a man I don't know. And now I have to explain to my son that yeah that's your dad kind of and i'm not knocking people who do it because i'm financially lucky but what fit for me and my family was to just go through a bank because i just didn't want to run those risks
3: legally our donors have relinquished their parental rights and that protects both the intended parents and themselves you're still going to get the opportunity to have that connection with the donor when the offspring reaches the age of 18. And we also provide a safe, anonymous platform for um, families to connect who have used that donor. So you can connect with other families using us. You aren't missing out on some of those things.
1: At this point in Matoche's journey, she gave up on finding a Haitian donor, and now she has to give up on finding a Black one.
2: We had to agree, like, if he's not Black, he needs to be of color and that I had to compromise that.
1: Which was really difficult because she didn't want to contribute to another woman of color going through the same thing. Her solution was to only pick a donor who had several vials of available sperm.
2: I just didn't want to mess with the vials of people of color that were low because I know how it feels because there might be someone who's actually that race that needs it.
1: Now being open to donors of color, she had five donors to choose from. She was genetically compatible with two. She chose the one who had the closest proximity to blackness.
2: So that the likelihood of our baby coming out black has just increased.
1: He had plenty of sperm available, so she didn't feel like she was contributing to this problem.
2: This donor is very brown. We chose him, and I just prayed to the universe above that this IVF cycle would work. And it did, thank God. Hey guys, I know it's been a while. I'm pregnant. (laughs)
1: What Matt O'Shea did, finding a donor with features similar to the race she was looking for, is the industry's Band-Aid to the problem.
3: You're looking for someone with this hair type so that they match the rest of your family. You're looking for this kind of bone structure. And maybe we can find donors with some of those features or most of
1: those features
3: and sort of get you the characteristics you're looking for even though it may not be the specific ethnicity.
1: Elise admits it's not perfect, but this band-aid did worry Matoche. While Blackness comes in all skin tones, she didn't want to contribute to society's colorism and texturism.
2: I think it's the stigma that comes around, like colorism in our community. I didn't want someone accusing me of wanting a light-skinned baby or a baby with good hair. Like you hear that all the time, like, oh, you know, she had a designer baby because she wanted like a baby that like had light eyes, light hair,
1: curly hair. She also didn't want to be a part of the fetishization of mixed children, which is very apparent in some donor groups. Listen as she describes one online exchange.
2: In that page, it would be like, we're a young couple, we're 25, my wife's a doctor, I'm a nurse, but we prefer a black donor. And you look at the picture, and they're like blonde hair, blue eye, white women. And one day I just was fed up, and I was like, "What's your fascination?" And a lot of them will say, "Well, if I was dating a black man, black man, what would be the difference? The difference is you're not da- you're not dating a black man. That's the difference. The difference is your partner isn't black, so your baby doesn't reflect your family. When there are people like me who are actually black, struggling to find just one."
1: Black lesbian and queer couples say they need a solution and it begins with education or re-education.
2: They tell black men, like, oh, don't do that because then 18 years later, a kid's going to come looking for you or they're going to make you pay child support.
3: We need, you know, to continue to change the language around it, you know, and take away the idea that it sort of has this burden of you're abandoning your children. It has this burden of the black man having a lot of children and leaving them.
1: The negative way sperm donation is portrayed in entertainment hasn't helped. It's hard to fight
3: some of the media. You know, it's a shady sperm bank.
1: Lab locations could be an issue. Many cryobanks are in areas with low Black populations. But according to the online data at One Cryobank in Atlanta, a city with a very high Black population, there were only four Black donors. So maybe location isn't the problem. According to Dr. Thomas, the problem is communication.
4: Their marketing abilities has to be a little different than what they're doing now like barbershops. You know, I go to the barbershop. There's a guy selling me Tom Cruise movies <laughs> that they recorded in the back of the movie theater. And that's worked so well, to be honest with you, in trying to recruit African-American women for studies. Go to the beauty shops because that's where people are. So at the barbershops I've ever gone to, I've never seen ads for sperm donors there. If you go to enough barbershops, you're going to get enough people. You just need to have somebody recruiting. It's going to be a lot of talk.
1: And that talk brings awareness that there's even a problem, a problem he believes many African-American
4: men will want to solve. For everyone that's gonna say no, there's gonna be the silent guys who will say, hey, I may look at that, you know, just let me take that card and let me think about it. And uh, there's always gonna be that guy who may actually think about it and because they may want to help somebody.
1: Elise says Seattle Sperm Bank has constant conversations about where they market, how they market, and who's on their advertisements.
3: We want to be cognizant that if a guy looks at a poster for donor recruiting and he doesn't see himself on it, then he might think that it's not for him. I personally was at a donor recruiting event at a gym we set up a table and they let us just talk to their members you know hey we're in the community have you ever thought about it they had a lot of healthy men in there it's it was a great great exposure a shorter gentleman came over to me with asian heritage and he came over to me and said someone needs me like as a joke and i was like seriously yes and he was like me someone who looks like me and i was like yes because The people who need donor sperm look like you.
1: Is implicit bias an issue that could be getting in the way? A little bit of the opposite might
3: be happening. So we definitely do have that conversation of, does this person represent us well? You know, we we want people to trust the donors in our program and we want to feel good about the donors who come in. So there is that sort of like the vibe check. (laughs) The staff who we've talked to if someone comes in and they're not white, it's almost like, oh, did you see there's a black guy? It's exciting. <laughs> it's exciting. Oh, look, it's a black guy. Call him. Oh, did you see there was a Mexican guy here today? That was awesome. He was speaking Spanish. It was perfect. So I feel like we we get very excited when we see donors come in who we don't normally see or who we know we need in the
1: program. There's also the belief that a child may end up dating their sibling.
4: The chances of a child from a couple... Meeting another child and they've used the same sperm donor are very low.
1: He says cryobanks have calculations to prevent this. Undeniably, there is a stigma around sperm donation. Elise believes openly talking about it is the only way to get rid of the taboo. Even if you aren't
3: the person donating, it's make it such like a, a regular conversation. It's such a regular family structure to have. I've talked with my daughter about it. Now my husband's horrified. She goes to school and talks about how important sperm banks are with her first grade teacher.
1: No, did she really?
3: She did, she did. She raised her hand. They <laughs> we were talking about how important teachers are in the community. And she said, sperm banks are an important part of the community too. And the teacher's jaw just... <laughs> <laughs> who, is, who are your parents? <laughs> that is
1: amazing. <laughs> I'm sure the teacher didn't think so, but.
3: Yeah, we could just keep talking about these things and then it'll become a normal, you know, a regular tissue donation.
1: Madoshay's entire journey took three years, but she's finally pregnant with a boy.
2: You know when you envision like, oh, I'm going to be pregnant and I'm going to be like Beyonce
1: and I'm going to glow. That's not what happened.
2: I literally throw up all day, every day. I don't wish it on my worst enemy.
1: Despite the sickness and the entire ordeal, she would do it again. Because shortly after we spoke, she gave birth to a healthy boy named Rue. She's not saying the race of the donor because she shares so much with the world. She doesn't want strangers to know Rue's racial background before he does.
2: But I kind of want to save something for him.
1: The most she will say is that the donor is between a chocolate and caramel skin tone. Her parents are excited for their new grandson.
2: I think my dad's number one concern, like, make sure you teach him crayon because he's Haitian. Is he going to, like know his roots.
1: Yvette is hoping to do IVF in the near future with the same donor. But there are fertility issues that may prevent that.
2: She loves him. I know that she does. And that's her kid and no one can tell her. But it's also very hard. And that fear that, like, what if I never get to carry? And like, as happy as she is, I know that she's also mourning her journey.
1: Despite those fears, she's excited for the future
2: playing Haitian music on Sunday mornings and dancing. I think I just like can't wait to watch it be a mom. So like, I'm just like excited to see like her showing, like she plays softball, like him playing like baseball in the yard with her.
1: Matt O'Shea and her wife have since turned into advocates, encouraging their friends and family to donate. She's also very vocal about fertility and reproductive challenges on her social media platform.
2: Pushing for like equality for Black women, especially Black queer women, we deserve more. We do a lot, and we just don't get enough like recognition or empathy.
1: As much as I would love to leave this story with a happy bow at the end, that will not be the case. Even if society moves past the stigma, reproductive experts worry recruiting donors may become even harder in the future because of at-home DNA kits. They say anonymous sperm donation is likely to be a thing of the past. And while some donors are open to meeting their offspring, that's not the case for everyone. Thanks so much for listening. Beyond Black History Month is a special production of 1010 Wins and WCBS News Radio 880. Special thanks to producers Dempsey Pillott and Jill Webb. Andy Egan Thorpe is our audio engineer. Tim Schout is the WCBS News Radio 880 brand manager. Ben Meverack is the 1010 Wins brand manager. And I'm Fami Redwood. Thanks for listening.